My name is Britta. I'm one of the, the co-pastors here, and it is a gift to begin a new series, a new fresh look uh, at God's Word together this morning. I was recently uh, reminded of a most peculiar musical piece. Perhaps you have heard of it at some point, too. John Cage composed a three-movement composition that's now called 4 Minutes and 33 Seconds. He composed it in 1952 for any instrument or any combination of instruments. And the score instructs the performers to not play their instruments during the entire duration of the piece throughout the three movements. They just sit there. The piece then consists of the sounds of the environment. And listeners hear the sounds of the environment uh, as this piece is being performed. And although it's commonly perceived as four minutes and 33 seconds of silence, there is anything but silence in this piece, right? I can imagine the, the very first audience that ever heard this uh, musical piece. I'm sure at first they were probably very uncomfortable, not knowing what to do with their hands, right? Like, don't make any noise. <laughs> but then instantly they start getting tickles in their throats. Have you experienced this in like a time of silence? All of a sudden you're like, I got a cough. Or that they, uh, that they um, uh, start feeling uncomfortable in their chairs and they feel like they need to shift a little bit. And if they're in one of those folding chairs, you know it's going to make a lot more noise than just the regular chairs. I can also imagine that the, the, all of this shifting, all of these sudden movements in their bodies would, would feel very uncomfortable. But I also imagine then that the, that the audience, as they kind of settle into that time of silence, would begin to welcome the noise of their neighbors. Their ears would be able to more keenly pick up the sounds that were happening all around them. They would be able to discern the difference between far away sound and, and, and near sounds between the cough of a next door neighbor or a sniffle from someone in the other aisle. You see, the audience now becomes the instruments in this piece, just in their humanity, in what they always need. Their noises are the sounds that move through this musical piece, but only because the composer planned it that way. Today, uh, as Pastor Amanda said, uh, we begin a, a few months-long series called Listen. And if you're anything like me, uh, you may not be very good at listening, and so you might be feeling a little um, uncomfortable. It's okay. I'll tell you what to do with your hands later, Okay. As people who are seeking to follow the ways of God, we, we as a congregation and a body, want to be increasingly in tune with those ways. We are interested in being a people who first pursue God's wants and then allow our wants to match God's wants. It can be so easy, too easy, to create our own noise in this world or to listen only to the noise that we and others create, says 
the woman standing up here talking and making noise. It is much, much more difficult to take time to listen, to listen to God, to listen for what God wants, to be able to discern between the noises of things and the voice of God's self. This is not just so that our, our ears or our brains or our souls will be filled with lovely things from God, but it's actually so that we can live and do and be as God desires. And so uh, for the next few weeks in September, we will be spending time in Proverbs. Proverbs is a book about listening to and discerning wisdom. Wisdom is, is the work of, of acquiring knowledge that helps a person know what to do in a given situation. It's a very simple definition of wisdom. Meaning that wisdom isn't just something that, that, you are, that is stored up. You just fill yourself up with it. But, but wisdom is applied. You do something with it. Solomon, King Solomon, was the author of Proverbs. And, and he was interested in the activity of God through wisdom, not just having it, but using it. And while applied wisdom is helpful and often very profitable to print on a dish towel or a coffee mug, who has a Proverbs dish towel or coffee mug? Anybody? Okay, okay. Godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is for the benefit of a whole life, not just a dish towel life, a whole life, the whole community, the whole world. And so as we set off on, on discerning and discovering godly wisdom, I want us to think about it certainly for ourselves, but also for our community and also for the world. So as we begin, uh, and as the children were invited earlier to open their Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1, we will be reading verses 1 through 7. Unfortunately, you don't may not have bookmarks in your Bibles that clearly mark them. Um, but you can stick your uh, a bookmark into Proverbs and keep it there because we will be in Proverbs for the next few weeks. Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. God's word for God's people. Before we can ever uh, really get to the listening to God part, I think it's helpful to know about the God that wants to be heard. Because certainly we could listen to God all we want, but, but there is something about God that wants to be heard. We have a, have a God that wants to be heard by us. Meaning God wants to talk to us. We have a God then that desires to be in relationship with us. And this is no small point. This is a huge point. 
Our God desires to tell us things. He desires us to know him in a, in a very intimate way and then to know his ways intimately. God desires us, and his deep desire for us is out of immense love. It's not duty. It's not responsibility. It's not obligation. Not even so that we would be God's puppets or God's soldiers taking orders while abandoning our own ability to make choices. No. God desires us, and God desires to share things with us that build and strengthen and cultivate a relationship with God and then also a relationship with the world. I don't know about you, but, but I quickly fall into the habit of thinking that God is very frequently frustrated with me. That God is constantly disappointed with my behavior, with my lack of ability to listen, with my poor choices or my just general goings on. That God is constantly like, oh, this one again. And when I find myself uh, in one of these thought patterns about God, it becomes very easy for me to choose anything but listen to God. Or letting God even listen to me. So one of the ways that I have first practiced, and I would like to emphasize practice, listening to God, is not by opening up my ears. Usually they're mostly open most of the time. But it's actually to soften my soul. It's to soften my soul to believe that I am beloved rather than a source of frustration or obligation or disappointment. God's posture with me and, and with you is not arms folded or foot tapping or hands on the hips waiting for us to come around and listen. Come on, guys. And then do what we're told. No, God wants to draw us into closeness. God wants to draw us into closeness. He's got his arms out, an invitation. And it's an invitation to just get a little closer. He's also not reaching or grabbing or forcing. It's just his arms out, invitation. But I know uh, with my own kids, sometimes this arm out thing doesn't always work the way that I intend. Sometimes it's actually an invitation to run the other direction. No, I was going for the hug, huh? No, sometimes that's not it. But when they do lean in, maybe it's not, my, my arms aren't out. Maybe they do lean in. I recognize that they need closeness. And even more than just being close, that they might need the kindness of closeness. And when they need that kindness of closeness, I want to be close to them. I want to be available to them. When they need and want to hear from me, I need and want to say the things that they need to hear or want to hear. And even when they don't want to hear from me, they still put up with it uh, because I am their mother, all right? They're going to have to listen to things. We have, have developed a sense of trust that way. God's posture with us 
is always invitational. It's always arms out. But it's certainly vulnerable. That a God would open God's arms up to us, certainly, but also that we would draw close to God. It's a very vulnerable place as a human to be. Listening to God requires then a level of trust and companionship. Before we can ever truly hear God, we have to trust that what God might be saying is worth our listening and worth our life. This is what the author is describing in the phrase, the fear of the Lord, in verse 7. This is a prominent theme or a prominent phrase throughout the uh, book of Proverbs. And it constantly trips me up. You see, because I am uh, spent a good portion of my faith life learning not to be afraid of God. But fearing God and being afraid of God are two very different things. Fear here, in Proverbs and really throughout Scripture, fearing God here means knowing what to respect and knowing how to posture yourself based on the respect that you have ascribed. Let me say that again. Fear here means knowing what to respect and knowing how to posture yourself based on the respect that you have ascribed to that thing. If you presume or were taught that God is only vengeful, frustrated, exasperated, tired of you, then it would make sense to be afraid of God. Why would you want to draw close to that? But if you were able, if you were able to let yourself soften to the idea that God is gracious and tender with you, that God wants to be known by you and that God wants to know you, then you are coming to respect God in a very different way than you would respect the Grim Reaper, for example, okay? Fear, then, it tells us what kind of posture we need to take in a specific situation. If the thing that we are up next to is a threat to us, we will run and hide and defend and, and freeze ourselves out from that thing, of course, we have our lives to consider. But if that thing we are up next to is kind and compassionate to us, is loving and carefully directing us, we posture ourselves differently in reception to that thing. Fearing in the God sense is esteeming God's love and grace and compassion, also God's exhortation and invitations and rebuking and instructions as things that will bring full life for you and for everyone around you. With that kind of respect in mind, you would posture yourself differently. Your posture would shift. Instead of fear creating a defensive nature, hands covering your ears, face all scrunched up, arms out in protection. Fearing the God who loves you would look more like, like leaning in a little or, or settling down a bit, relaxing your shoulders down your back, loosening the tongue, your tongue from the roof of your mouth. 
getting comfortable in your body and then in your soul and then in your mind as you make space for God. Listening is a posture. It's not just something we do with our ears and our minds. Hmm, I'm just going to listen. No. It is something we do with our whole bodies and with our whole lives. Because to fear God is to take a posture of trust and receptivity, of, of discernment. I played basketball when I was younger, and I will never forget the one drill that our coach uh, encouraged so frequently that it became habitual. It wasn't our layup form, though we were taught that. It wasn't the uh, dribbling, though we were taught that, and it was not our free throw stance. It was actually what she called a posture of readiness. A posture of readiness. A posture of readiness indicated to our teammates uh, that we were prepared to receive whatever would happen on the court. You've seen like peewee basketball where all the kids are either like this or they're clumped around the basketball, you know. Uh, and so she's teaching us to get away from just like la, 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 uh, so that we would be in a posture of readiness. So when we were on the offense, uh, it meant that we were in a semi-squat position, that we had our arms out, uh, and that, that uh, we were ready to receive the ball. Oh, that our eyes were also on the person who had the ball. We were ready to receive uh, that ball if they were going to pass it to us. In the defensive position, it meant that we were also in a semi-squat position. We would have one arm out so that we would be ready to run whichever way um, our opponent went. We'd also have one arm out so that if the uh, opponent got a little sloppy with the ball, we could slap it and run away quickly with the ball. This was the posture of readiness. And she would call out posture of readiness and we'd get down and get ready anytime in, in, in the pr practice. And that was a little crazy. A few people rolled their ankles because of this, but we learned a posture of readiness. It ensured that no matter what was happening on the court, we were aware and prepared for it. Listening to God invites us into a posture of of readiness. And this may need to be practiced. We might need to run drills on this one. You may need to develop some skill in this area of your life. There's a club. I'm in it. We can all be together. I join you in needing to develop that skill. And it may take some time to get used to the idea that you can listen to God and that God wants to listen to you and that God wants to say these things to you. The book of Proverbs is, is structured by comparing the, the wise and the foolish. In the first seven verses, it can be simply said that a wise person is in the posture of listening and that fools are in the posture of unlistening. You have perhaps experienced in yourself or, or maybe with others uh, a, a fool's posture when it comes to listening. Foolish listening 
forms in habits like making decisions quickly or rushing to conclusions or filling in the blanks with things that do not belong or, or following patterns that wear yourself or other people out and that are not interested in the ways of God. That's a fool's listening. You see, generally a person doesn't set out to be foolish. It's not like they're like, hmm, when I wake up, I'm going to be a fool. No, it's that they, 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 their set of circumstances, their, their immaturity, or even their sense of self and safety might be at risk. And so when those sorts of things happen, it's then that a person acts foolishly instead of wisely. But the great thing is that people can change. God knows this. God created our bodies, our whole souls to be transformed. Who once was a fool can become wise. It just takes a little practice. It also takes trust and vulnerability and courage and patience and tenacity and willingness. It's not an easy thing, but it's a good thing. As we're talking about listening, specifically listening to God, I can be sure that there are things in your life, things in your past, things in your present, things certainly in your future, where this question might come up or have, has come up before. What am I supposed to do, God? God, what am I supposed to do? I have no idea how to do any of this. What am I supposed to do? Over the next few months, we hope to invite you into a space. Invite you into a space where you might wrestle with a question like this or a question similar to this or a question broader or more specific than this. And it's our prayer that we would wrestle with these questions personally, of course, but also communally. That your questions matter for my questions and that, that us and the big questions we have of God matter for each other. And it's our hope to create avenues by which you and me and we can posture ourselves in listening to God and that we trust that God is going to respond to us in some sort of fashion. And there are a few ways that we want uh, to equip you with the space to do that. The first is we have, do we? Yes, we do. <laughs> we have these things called listen journals. They are very small journals. And we have a few out in the narthex uh, that you can pick up on your way out. They are small with a few pages. But here in this journal, we want you to have a space to write down those questions, to ask questions, to receive of other people's questions and write them down, and also a space to leave it blank. That when God might say something, we can't coerce God to say anything, but if God does say something, you could have a place to write it down. You could have a place to record it. I encourage you to pick one of these up on the way out. Another thing we want to do is to create corporate listening practices, which means in the worship service, we want to make space for us to listen to God and to one another. And so we're going to like basketball drills, uh, do some experiences with listening. 
some uh, in silence, some while listening to others, so that we can build up some skills in our listening posture. And like all drills, some will be easier and some will be more difficult. And some may be uncomfortable, as are most things when we first try them. But we would like you to try. And then uh, lastly, we will invite you into some individual listening practices. And each month, uh, we have a different listening practice for you uh, to do on your own, at home, on your way to work, at work, in bed, however that works for you. Uh, and this month is uh, a listening practice called Lectio Divina, which means divine reading. These cards are also out with these listen journals. Um, and Lectio Divina is a, a, a spiritual practice where you read God's word in a slow way, really listening for what God is saying to you specifically. All the instructions are on the back of the card, and so you can pick that up and take that with you and do that when you feel ready, when those drills or those skills need to be developed. And so right now, we are going to run a drill. Perhaps prepare in a posture of readiness. And so for a few minutes, not four minutes and 33 seconds, like that movement, uh, that, that musical movement, um, we are going to guide you, I am going to guide you in some listening quiet. Now, I acknowledge it won't be quiet, right? We are a symphony and a cacophony of a symphony, and so there may be noises. We welcome those. But we are going to uh, begin the practice of just listening. And so as we begin, um, I'm going to pray for us, and then I have two questions that I will guide you through in this time of quiet. If you have a place where you want to write down those questions, you are more than welcome to do that. Um, but I do invite you to just settle in for a few minutes and welcome a posture of listening. Let us go to God and listen. I invite you to take one really good, deep breath. If you need to shift in your seat a little bit to get more comfortable, do that. If you need to melt your shoulders down your back, do that. You need to relax your tongue from the roof of your mouth. Do that. As you are here, is there a part of your posture that might need to change as you are with God? How does God respond to you with that posture change?
is there a question that you have been holding before God that sounds like, what am I supposed to do? If your posture needs to shift after asking that question, please do. And I invite you to get specific with that question. You know the specifics. God wants to hear the specifics. our time comes to a close perhaps your posture might need to shift one more time is it in gratitude is it in wondering is it in reception whatever you feel like your body might need to do in response to this time of listening the spirit invites you to shift. God, we thank you that you have just taken great delight in this time that your posture to us right now is arms wide open, that you want to be close to us in our questions, that you want to wonder with us, that you want to reveal your will to us, that you want us to know we are beloved. So would that settle down deep into our souls, into our bodies? Would our ears believe it certainly, but would our hearts believe it? Would our feet believe it? And would the trust that's developed here with you invite us to come back to listening? pray these things in your name. Amen.